Presents a music and talk show where your host Darren Roebuck is joined by a variety of artists, scientists, entrepreneurs, and therapists as they share what's on their minds and give you new ideas and practices to help you get the most out of being you. Can you dig it? Be sure to visit deeporbitstudio.com for links, show notes, and more. Now sit back and take in the view while we blast off into Deep Orbit. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Deep Orbit Studio Presents. I'm your host, Darren Roebuck. And on today's show, uh, that's tonight's show, we're going to be speaking with our resident psychologist, Yuval Laor. And we're going to be talking about something that I think is super cool. We're going to be talking about hypnosis, authority, and oaths. So... Get out your pocket watch and start swinging it in a pendulum-like fashion in front of your eyes. And get sleepy, sit back, relax, and listen to our wonderful discourse here on Deep Orbit Studio Presents. Uh, so, Yuval, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, let's jump right in. Um, hypnosis. This is, I know, a very mm -hmm. intriguing subject and a subject that... Well, there's lots of naysayers. There's lots of people that say it's the real deal. Uh, <laughs> help us out. What is hypnosis? Okay, well, uh, hypnosis is, of course, a very sexy subject and uh, uh, very intriguing. It was actually, uh, some have referred to it as the black sheep of psychology because it was so strange uh, uh, and, and, and different from other discourses in, on, on, in psychology. But um, hypnosis is both uh, a real thing, uh, and yet it's uh, not, uh, um, some, some argue that, that it is not, um, it, it's certainly not a distinct state, you know, the hypnotic trance is not a distinct, uh, a unique uh, kind of psychological state, but it is uh, um, a kind of a, a, a byproduct of the uh, more general nature of authority and the way uh, human psychology treats authority. Uh, so we have different kinds of authority, and, and hypnosis is, is just a very interesting and specific kind of authority. Um, in, in a way, uh, we'll get to what hypnosis actually is uh, towards the end of the podcast, because you do need a lot of, a lot of background uh, uh, for me to, to, to make the argument uh, regarding its nature uh, fully. But let me give you a, a, a teaser that uh, uh, hypnosis is uh, um, uh, related to, uh, affected by how, what you think hypnosis is. So um, uh, an easy analogy for us to imagine is oaths. So an oath, we all would, uh, uh, it's not hard to convince us that an oath um, depends on whether or not you believe in oaths and whether or not what you think oaths are. Um, in a similar way, hypnosis is also uh, highly affected by what you think hypnosis is and um, uh, and as we'll see, that is a side effect of general authority. So basically, if you think that hypnosis is like going to make you cluck like a chicken, then you're more likely to cluck like a chicken than if you say, no, it's absolutely not that. Yes. Okay. Clearly. <laughs> and there, there, uh, we'll, we'll go later through a, a number of experiments that, that demonstrate. So how is authority at the root of hypnosis? So uh, authority is completely ubiquitous aspect of human life and human, uh, any social interaction. Um, uh, authority, whether you obey it or you uh, uh, defy it, is something that is, it's, it's at the heart, it, it is based on the rules that uh, we all agree on as any social interaction. So here's a, a, a quote by 
uh, Milgram saying that obedience is basic an element in the structure of social life as one can point to. Some system of authority is, require, is a requirement of all communal living and is only the man dwelling in isolation who is not forced to respond through defiance or submission to the command of others. So it is, uh, uh, authority is everywhere. When we go to the store and uh, the clerk tells us we have to pay, that we have to obey their authority. When, if we're in a class situation and the teacher tells us to come to the front of the class, we uh, have to obey it, mm-hmm. uh, 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 his or her authority. Um, I mean, of course, some people do not obey the authority. But again, that is, uh, uh, depends either, well, it, it could be a product of, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, some kind of illness or some kind of, uh, 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 you know, problem in the, in, in the individual. But it can also be a problem with what you think a teacher can or cannot tell you to do. So if you think a teacher cannot tell you to bark like a dog, then you will not uh, you, you, it would be very easy for you to re- refuse that, that authority. But if you think that the teacher can ask you that or ask you to come to the front of the class, it's extremely difficult to defy that authority for healthy people. And is this uh, basically because of like parental programming and uh, uh, what we're taught? You always obey the teacher, that kind of stuff? Well, it, it, in, in some sense, of course, it, all, it, it is all... Uh, dependent on, uh, you know, it's related to parental authority, there's rank authority, there's expert authority, you can say that it's related to the authority of an expert. So if I want to know how to keep my goldfish alive, you know, I ask an expert and I ask him how often to feed it and, and he tells me and I obey his or her authority. And the reason I obey is because I see them as an expert. Um, so that is expert authority, and that is authority that it is a good idea to follow. But sometimes we see completely arbitrary authority. So, for example, if a higher-ranking military person gives a command to a lower-ranking, that is an authority that is seems to be rather arbitrary uh, based on you know how, how long they've been in the military, but they also have to obey that authority. Yeah, I can I can understand. I know like sitting in class, I'd never, ever wanted to be called on to go up to the front. But when I was, of course, it was there was no saying no, really. It was like, OK, fine. And you go up there and you feel all embarrassed and, you know, I'd stand there and like my <laughs> knees quaking and do the math problem or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, saying no really wasn't an option. And uh, so I can understand it, 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 I was under their spell. <laughs> you were. And you <laughs> could say that that authority. Uh, or, or many would say that that authority that you felt in class is actually no different than the authority of a hypnotist, except for the rules of the game that you're playing or quote, you know, game in, in quotes, uh, whether it's you're playing the game of I'm in a class and, and, and that person is the teacher or I'm on the street and that person is a policeman. Um, each one of those social situations have their own rules and hypnosis, uh, and as well as, as oaths. Oaths, you don't need anybody else. Uh, but uh, 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 hypnosis is a specific kind of game uh, with its own rules. And uh, uh, so I, I want to add just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm saying here that hypnosis is a normal, is a normal kind of, of a social interaction in a way. But I also want to to stress that using hypnosis and under hypnosis, a person can do things that they cannot do without hypnosis. A person can can uh, change their body temperature. They can they cannot feel pain. They can not feel cold. When I mean, people sit in in, in uh, uh, bathtubs full of ice water with no discomfort um, under hypnosis. So uh, and you cannot really do that <laughs> without using it. So even though hypnosis is uh, um, uh, an effect which is closely related to the normal, everyday, regular kind of authority, it is also something that allows you to do uh, uh, things that you cannot do without it. Super interesting. All right, well, we're going to jump into our first musical segment, um, and then we'll be right back with more discussion about hypnosis and authority. You're listening to Deep Orbit Studio Presents, and this is Screamin' Jay Hawkins. 
put a spell on you. Because you're mine. Stop the things you do. Clearly no question as to why he was screaming Jay Hawkins. <laughs> it's such a cool song. And listening to his voice, it's like I had to laugh because, I mean, who who does that? <laughs> Tell you, Taylor Swift doesn't do that. Okay, so you're listening to Deep Orbit Studio Presents. I'm Darren Roebuck, your host. And, we've, and we're talking with Yuval Laor today about hypnosis, authority, and oaths. And uh, so, uh, as you were saying in the previous segment, that authority is really at the root of uh, hypnosis. And there's really a real classic experiment called the Milgram experiment that sort of shows all of this. Uh, fill us in on what the Milgram experiment's all about. Okay, so the Milgram ex- uh, Milgram's uh, experiment done by uh, Stanley Milgram and uh, is summarized by an excellent and, and, and fun-to-read short little little book called uh, Obedience to Authority from 1974. Uh, and uh, in it, he describes, uh, he, he did 17 versions of this experiment. And it's it's pretty famous. You might have heard of it. Heard of it. This is an experiment where people uh, obeyed to authority that told them to uh, punish people uh, in, in, in a way that uh, uh, would, that people thought risked the life of the person being punished. So let's Let's uh, uh, start with how, how it went. So people volunteered for an experiment. This was done uh, in Yale University. And uh, they, uh, they didn't really know much about the experiment, but the two of them got selected to be uh, a part of the experiment. Um, one of them was an actor, uh, a, a guy a f- part of the experiment. The other one was the person being experimented on. And... Uh, the the story was that we're going to experiment uh, learning and punishment and, and how good punishment is le- in learning, um, in, in teaching people. And so they uh, had uh, they drew lots to see one of them is going to take the role of a teacher and one of them is going to take the learn the role of a learner. Right. So this they uh, it was a seemingly random. Uh, 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 choice and of course always the person who was going to be experimented on was always the teacher so they thought they could have been the learner but they weren't and then they were shown the the taken to another room where the the learner is going to sit and the learner was um uh uh strapped to a chair uh and um 
so actually to demonstrate what will happen to the learner, the teacher, our subject, was tied to the to the chair, strapped to the chair, and was giving uh, an electric shock, which was pretty uncomfortable, and they were told that that, that corresponds to a certain voltage. Um, and uh, this is the only pain that anybody would would feel in this experiment. Uh, so then the 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 learner was strapped to 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 the chair, and our teacher was taken to the next room. And in the next room, they were uh, seated in front of uh, a, a machine with about I would say thirty buttons corresponding to an increasing uh, level of voltage. Um, that is going to be uh, applied as a punishment to the, the, the learner. And um, on that machine, there, was, uh, uh, there were parts uh, uh, on, on the side where it gets to the higher voltage. It says danger, an extreme danger, and uh, uh, in the middle, it, it, you know, so, so there, was, there were warnings written on the machine. Yeah, so I've seen films of this, and it was early 60s, so it was black and white films, mm-hmm. and there's a big, like, analog dial with a gradient on it mm-hmm. that was saying, you know, this is, mm-hmm. an, this is okay, and then all the way over on the other side, it was, like, the red zone, and it says, this is, yeah, dangerous, uh, mm-hmm. and then there's other readouts and lights and stuff that were on this. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was a set, but, like, a, this fake panel and then of course the learner as we've been discussing is really part of the experiment he's someone yeah. who's totally aware oh, actually of what's yeah the, the learner is actually uh he's a shill he, basically yeah he, he's done with his role of the experiment because from now on he we will hear the learner uh-huh. but those will be tapes those will be those will be uh pre-recorded um so that they will be uniform for the different experiments so the the with the teacher uh, sitting in the room with them uh, was a person which uh, looked very authoritative. They they had a beard and a lab coat, and they held a clipboard that they wrote stuff on every once in a while. And that was the experimenter. Um, and the experimenter was there to uh, find out, uh, uh, allegedly, how, uh, um, how people learn uh, when they're punished. And the the teacher would uh, uh, our our subject who's with the role of the teacher would ask uh, memory questions you know uh, uh, simple memory questions to the learner and if the learner would get any of them wrong they're supposed to electrocute them uh, using the machine and uh, well not totally electrocute them but give them a shock give them a shock yes uh, with increasing intensities as the exactly uh, so, as, as the thing as the uh, um, experiment went along so. Um, at the beginning, people went along, and at the, at, to start with, uh, uh, people would, uh, um, it, it all went all right, and also the learner would get a lot of the answers right, so it would just, uh, uh, they would, uh, um, you know, not have to, to, to shock them. But um, as the, the experiment uh, continued, the, um, the learner started getting a lot of the answers wrong, and uh, the our our poor teacher had to uh, increase uh, every time increase the level of of shock and and the teacher themselves is actually turning up the voltage on their own or seemingly or turning yeah. a dial on actually, their own. It's it's not a dial. It's it's a series of buttons and, and oh, or, 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 right, or switches. Right, 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 so right. so they flip another switch, right? So they have a certain but, number of already flipped, and they just need to flip another one. But and they're then, actively increasing yes. the voltage, and they're seeing. That they're yes. getting closer and closer to the dangerous level. Yes. Uh, uh, now, um, a- as this continues, uh, our learner starts to protest, starts to scream, starts to yell stuff like, I don't want to be a part of this experiment anymore, starts uh, uh, to, to protest and get, get me out of here. At some point, they stop uh, reacting at all. They don't say anything as... The teacher asks them to answer, and because they're not answering anything, maybe they're passed out or maybe they're dead, um, you're supposed to shock them again. So, um, uh, of course, people did not want to to do this. People felt horrible about the situation, but whenever they protested, the person in the lab coat, our experimenter, um, with the clipboard, and uh, uh, was uh, ordered to give one of four responses. So these these are the responses that they would give in order. So the person said, I don't think, uh, you know, the teacher would say, I don't think we should uh, 
uh, I don't think I should, I should do this. I think this is getting out of hand. I don't, and these are the, the four responses that the experimenter would give. So the first response was, please continue or please go on. And if the teacher uh, or, or, or subject, the teacher would continue to protest, the second response would be, and these are, these are, all the, these are exactly the prescribed responses. These are the four lines that our experimenter says. Next one is, the experiment requires that you continue. And if they continue protest and they still don't want to continue, the next line response, the third response is, it is absolutely essential that you continue. And if there was a, a still defiance, there was still no cooperation, the teacher still doesn't want to do it, uh, the next response, the final response is, you have no other choice. You must go on. And uh, if there was, if there was uh, uh, still no uh, 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 any defiance, then the, the experiment would be terminated. So the, this is how, uh, uh, if, if the, the, the experiment ends either when they reach the, the end of the scale, or if those four responses were met by our subject with continuing defiance, uh, and then the experiment would stop. So it is uh, famously before the experiment, um, uh, Mr. Milgram asked, uh, a lot of uh, uh, different people, what would they predict will happen in the experiment? And um, most of them, uh, most people and most psychologists and, and, and people in academia predicted that very few people are going to continue shocking all the way to the end, to the end of the scale. Um, people predicted 1-2% uh, uh, and, and, um, and in, in reality with what the experiment showed is that with the basic setup of the experiment, it was 62.5% of the people who uh, continued the experiment until the end of the, uh, uh, the, the, the full scale where the, the learner is, is screaming and protesting and, and wanting to get out of here. And, <laughs> um, so this experiment shocked uh, everybody, shocked the world. Uh, but... Oh, I, when I saw the films of it uh, in college, I was I was shocked um, seeing how people would you know the the teacher would sit there clearly having trouble with going on, but they would still go on because mm -hmm. of the four responses the experimenter would give. Like you have to do this, and they'd sit there and they're like sweating. They're like, really, I don't think I should. But then they do it. It's absolutely essential that you continue. It's absolutely <laughs> essential that you continue. Okay, and they then they. Uh, it would hit, hit the button and mm -hmm. you'd hear on from the other side of the wall this this horrible scream and these people are sitting there going I can't the the teacher <laughs> sitting there thinking I, I can't believe I'm shocking this person but it's mm -hmm. part of the experiment so I've got to do it yes and um, what this experiment shows uh, uh, particularly is that uh, our obedience to authority is not tied to any uh, uh, you know, benefit or, or sanction or, or it's, it's not a cost, cost benefit, uh, a calculation that makes us, uh, uh, decide whether or not we're going to, uh, obey authority. It's not that at the supermarket, we decide to obey the authority just because of the, the, the problem we'll have with the police if we refuse to pay. Uh, here we have a person that has no, uh, uh, personal benefit that he's going to get from this experiment. There's no sanction that's going to happen to them. There's no, uh, um, they're not legally obligated. There's no, uh, you know, Yale University is not going to do anything to you. Uh, and yet still without, even without the, the, the costs and benefits, people are extremely obedient because, and, and the, the reason they're obedient is because of the rules of the social situation. So they're in a social situation where the experiment uh, 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 defines the rules of who obeys who, and those rules are extremely, extremely difficult for people to disobey. Um, the, the Milgram calls, uh, 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 define, uh, refers to an effect he calls as disanthropomorphation, <laughs> anthropomorphism, this, this anthropomorphism where people uh, um, 
sort of internalize and they think that their experiment is this this non-personal force of nature that they have to follow that they have to to fulfill the the requirements of the experiment without thinking of it as some guy in and and some office one day sat and thought up an experiment and so it's 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 not uh uh a specific person that they're defying but they're defying the rules of of um of the experiment and um milgram made uh um 18 versions of this experiment so uh in the book he he shows you all, all 18 and gives you all the statistics of, of all 18 and these include whether or not the experimenter is in a different room or whether there's two teachers or whether there's uh, this is under the, the title of Yale University or whether this is uh, an, at the site of Yale University or whether it's in an office that they uh, rented downtown that, that has a, a, you know, a, a much less authoritative title. And um, he, uh, uh, the, the experiment supports, the, the, the results of the experiments uh, uh, support the notion that the, the more people thi- uh, uh, think of the authority of the the institution or of the situation, the more they are obey the authority, even if it asks them to do atrocious, horrible things. That's crazy. All right, the Milgram experiment. Well, we'll uh, get back into how that ties into hypnosis uh, right after we listen to a little bit of Depeche Mode. Uh, you're listening to Deep Orbit Studio presents. It's a it's a lot. 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 Like life.
Depeche Mode was singing about the Milgram experiment there when they talk about playing master and servant. And that's why we played that song here. Uh, so the Milgram experiment, it's sort of like the teacher thing we were talking about. And it's also sort of like hypnosis in the sense that you're really not enacting your own will, but you're enacting someone else's. Now, where's the line drawn? Well, so um, for, first of all, um, uh, just, we might not be able to to draw a line, but of course that doesn't mean that those are not distinct things, right? You know, you cannot draw a line between English speaker and a non-English speaker, right? There, there might have been a millisecond that I turned, but that doesn't mean that those are not two distinct states. So um, the question is whether or not the hypnotic trance um, is uh, 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 something separate. And I'll, I'll give you a, a quote here by... Um, Irvin Kirsch and Stephen Lynn, uh, who write, uh, having failed to find reliable markers of trance after 50 years of careful research, most researchers have concluded that the hypothesis that hypnosis is a unique state of consciousness has outlived its usefulness. So the idea that um, hypnosis is separate, a separate state of consciousness than the, consci the, the state of consciousness of the person in the Milgram's experiment or the person in the classroom that is being told by the teacher to come to the, to the front of the class, um, that there is, there, we have looked for 50 years to find, if, to, to, to search for the hypnotic trance as a separate state of consciousness, and we have failed to find it. And so we, uh, um, the, the conclusion of, of uh, people like Irvin Kirsch, who wrote a, a great book called uh, um, Changing Expectations, uh, conclude that the nature of uh, uh, hypnosis, the reason why it is so impressive and bizarre and strange looking, is just because of the, the different expectations and the different situation that, um, that it is. But it is fundamentally, it is not a separate uh, uh, from uh, more regular forms of obedience to authority. Yeah. And... Um, so you, you could say that uh, um, what differentiates hypnosis and oaths, um, and, and I think it's, it's more intuitive to think of it when, when thinking of oaths, is that um, regarding hypnosis and oaths, you give authority that is not defined. It's not predefined. It is sort of an open-ended authority about the nature of authority. It's self-referential authority. You know, it's... it's uh, it's, it's, so we know that oaths um, are, in a way, what we think oaths are, right? And it doesn't really make sense to, to take an oath promising that you will fulfill all other oaths you take, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because it is uh, sort of about itself, you know? And an oath is the belief... Uh, or it, the oath is an act, uh, a speech act, that um, is within the, the rules of a game that says whenever I say the words, I take an oath that, whatever I say after that beginning uh, 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 part, then that would be completely authoritative. So the, if I take an oath to do something, that uh, if I strongly believe in oaths, um, and, and I'm talking about oaths in, in, a, in a serious way, not, not the, the drunkard who, who takes right, an oath not to drink. It's <laughs> swearing to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yeah, yeah. It's with, with, but in front of a crowd with your hand on, on, on a book that you, you, you think you is authoritative. Uh, it's, it's not the oath of, of the drunk in the morning saying, I'll never drink again, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, less serious. But um, we can see the self uh, uh, how oaths depend on what we think oaths are in the way that, uh, for example, some people believe that they absolutely have to follow an oath. If they take an oath, they absolutely have to do it. But if their fingers were crossed at the time of taking the oath, then they don't, <laughs> right? There are people <laughs> who believe that, that these are the rules of oaths. 
And for them, those really are the rules of oaths, <laughs> you know? Um, I remember believing that when I was about seven. Exactly. So, um, uh, so the rules uh, um, of oaths depend on what you think oaths are. And um, in the same, in a similar way, hypnosis uh, is highly affected and, and dependent on what you think hypnosis is. So um, hypnosis was different in the 19th century where people thought of hypnosis differently than they think of it now. Uh, hypnosis a a a affects people who do not believe in hypnosis differently. Uh, people, uh, there are experiments where people were told that under hypnosis, um, their, uh, a part of their hand, the dominant hand, becomes paralyzed. And uh, this was completely, you know, unfounded. This was just something that was made up as part of an, of an experiment. And later, those people were hypnotized, and this was seen as one of the effects of their hypnosis. They spontaneously, one of their, <laughs> their dominant hand became paralyzed and uh this actually people who were who were told us uh, years later were also hypnotized and it's still <laughs> their dominant hand um there are experiments where people were asked to write what they think hypnosis is and uh in, in a closed letter and they wrote a little essay about what they think hypnosis is and then they were hypnotized and uh for example there was one lady uh, who would be hypnotized, but every time under hypnosis, when she uh, was asked to open her eyes, she would get out of the trance. She would not not be hypnotized anymore. And then when they looked at what she, she wrote, she thinks hypnosis is, and she wrote, hypnosis is a state where a hip hypnotist uh, gives orders and someone who is hypnotized sits there with their eyes closed. <laughs> and um, because that's what she thought the rules of hypnosis were, those were the rules of hypnosis for her. So she believed when she opened her eyes, the hypnosis was nullified. Yes, but this is, I mean, when we say beliefs, uh, uh, it's, it's, there are many different kinds of beliefs. Beliefs are a very complicated things in itself. But yeah, she did uh, uh, um, see the situation as being governed by a, a certain set of rules. And one of them was included eyes being closed. And because when that was broken, she just got out of the trance. Um, so when when uh, a, lo a lot of people uh, uh, know this this uh, story where that that uh, or, or this fact that that people tell each other about hypnosis is that you cannot, under hypnosis, be asked to murder someone else, right? I don't know if you've heard that. Mm -hmm. That um, and. That is a I very don't know, man. I saw the Naked Gun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Enrico Palazzo <laughs> was right. going to kill the queen. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, so the the, um, but that is a very useful belief for people in the general population to hold because that defines the rules of what hypnosis is. So uh, there is a a, a a hypnotist and. Um, and a, a magician uh, in England is very famous in England by the name of Darren Brown, and he do, he did uh, uh, an experiment for uh, British television where he wanted to test this out. So he found someone that is very susceptible to hypnosis, and uh, he did a series of 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 uh, uh, hyp uh, hypnosis uh, uh, episodes or. or sessions with this person uh this is all in one tv episode that uh, it's called darren brown the experiments i don't remember which one but it's one of the three experiments and he wanted to see whether or not he could uh hypnotize this person uh to the point where they will automatically uh shoot a gun that they believe has live bullets in it they actually were blank bullets but they did not know this and shoot uh uh stephen fry in in a in a theater when student fries on stage and uh, the hypnotic command was given to our subject in the audience and um, they took out the gun that they thought had live bullets in it and shot Stephen Fry of course uh, Stephen Fry was not harmed mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, this showed that 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 was a myth now when you have a series of hypnotic sessions, 
you can, under initial hypnosis, tell people to believe that hypnosis is real. So people who believe hypnosis is absolutely real, that the hypnotist can tell anything to the person being hypnotized, and they have to obey it. People who believe that are much more obedient to a hypnotist. And so if you can, in a number of sessions, if you can, part of the initial hypnosis, make people believe beliefs about hypnosis, using hypnosis to make them believe about hypnosis, uh, that is sort of like the, the taking the oath that I will always obey oaths, you know, right? It's this self-referential thing. Then um, you can get to a very uh, uh, impressive or disturbing level of, of obedience. And in this case, at least, um, this uh, uh, was able to, to trigger a hypnotic uh, uh, respond by our subject that uh, murdered <laughs> Stephen Fry. But now not everybody is as susceptible to hypnosis as others are. Yes. So it's, it's a, a number of factors. It, there's, there's different temperamental uh, uh, aspects. There's different, uh, of course, what you think about hypnosis. Uh, and uh, also there's uh, external factors. So um, authority in general uh, all kinds of authority are amplified when uh, people are in front of a crowd. So that's why when you see stage hypnosis, uh, it can be extremely entertaining and very, uh, uh, you know, unbelievable. But it's you cannot get to those level of obedience in a lab that you can in front of a crowd. So people who get in front of the crowd because the hypnosis is taking place in front of a crowd, but any... Any crowd increases authority. I mean, if you're asked by Mick Jagger to come in on stage and you're standing in, in front of 80,000 people who are screaming fans and, and you're asked by an authority figure on stage to bark like a dog, you cannot refuse even, you know, without <laughs> hypnosis, without this game that we play about hypnosis. So I'm just glad he wasn't calling me up to do a math problem on the chalkboard. <laughs> yes, that you didn't prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was rarely prepared for that. But um, super interesting. And we'll be back in with more uh, this talk about hypnosis, authority, oaths, and related topics right after we listen to one of my favorite bands, System of a Down, playing a song so appropriately titled Hypnotize.
right, that was System of a Down with Hypnotize. And you're listening to Deep Orbit Studio Presents. And we've got Yuval Laor here today, of course, talking about hypnosis, oaths, authority. And one thing I wanted to mention, uh, based on what we were speaking about in the last segment, was uh, if you want to see some of the Darren Brown stuff, um, it's on YouTube. And he spells his name D-E-R-E-N Brown. And there's lots of things on there. Many of them are are just mind-blowing to watch. Um, he gets people to rob banks or rob um, mm-hmm. armored cars. Oh, we talked about the murder one. Um, and it's it just seems like it's people you relate with. It's people you just think are just regular old folks and people you don't think that would, uh, you know, do anything outside of their own free will. And yet he's able to set up situations where people do just that. They go outside of themselves to do things that they would never do uh, and certainly would never say they would do. Um, so check that out on YouTube, uh, Darren, D-E-R-E-N Brown. Um, now, you know, we, we you're talking about the groups and group hypnosis, and that sort of makes me think about political authority. So um, I guess we need to go back and sort of uh, redefine what hypnosis is and then what's political authority versus practical hypnosis. Um. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, first, you know, that, now that I, I sort of, you know, outlined a, a little bit about authority, I'll give a, a couple of definitions. The first one is by John Kilstorm, um, and he defines a hypnosis as a social interaction in which one person designated the subject responds to suggestions offered by another person designated the hypnotist for experiences involving alterations in perceptions, memory, and voluntary action. So, as you can see, it's just a social interaction <laughs> with these roles and these rules. Um, another uh, definition by, by Kirsch uh, says that the experiences and behaviors labeled hypnotic occur in any situation that the subject perceive as hypnotic. So, um, this is the self-referential <laughs> yeah. nature of hypnosis. Um, and uh, um, you, you, you mentioned political authority as, as and. and related to it is, is uh, religious authority. Um, political authority comes about when you have both regular authority, but combined with a cultural uniformity regarding that authority. So when everybody agrees in a society about the roles uh, of, of who has authority, for example, the role of a king or the role of a, of a policeman or a president, then those things, you can say, become real. You know, if, if just one person believes that I'm the king of France, then um, I'm not the king of France. But with their interactions, they might obey me and because of certain rules. But if everybody believes that I'm the king of France, then I really am the king of France. Um, so uh, uh, cultural uniformity regarding the the nature of authority is 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 an aspect that is uh, 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 crucial for political authority. And um, once you get a sufficient level of of um, of political authority, of course, then you can you punish those that do not follow that authority, and it can become a self self reinforcing and self stabilizing situation. Um, but that is that is a different <laughs> that is a, a whole other podcast we can do about that. I was going to say that brings us back to what we talked about last time, which was the cults and religious fervor. Yes, there you go. <laughs> and we may actually talk about that again on a future podcast because all this stuff goes so deep. But anyway, back to uh, the hypnosis and uh, and political authority. So, um, well, it, it, let if if we talk about about hypnosis, um, we need to talk about actual how it happens, because um, just giving you a role and giving me a role is probably not going to be sufficient, because there's a certain set of tricks and certain set of, and I mean, not tricks, but techniques that are that are important in as part of uh, hypnotic induction. So, um, and this is different than political authority, because with hypnosis, you have this induction game that we play at the beginning of, of a hypnotic situation, this sort of marks the beginning of of the roles that we're going to take on and um 
if if you if you uh, want to set up a hypnotic situation, so first of all, you want to change the settings from normal settings to abnormal settings because you need to. Uh, if it's someone that you know, you need to sort of, uh, or even if it's someone you don't know, it needs to be a specific kind of a hypnotic situation. So you're saying taking someone outside of their comfort zone helps? Well, not even the comfort zone, but mark it with lowered lights and, and sitting in a, in, in a certain comfortable way. And uh, maybe when the, the hypnotist gives the, the hypnosis, he will change their speech and their rhythm of their speech, maybe speak in a lower voice. Um, and we know from experiments that the induction can be uh, um, something, uh, uh, it can even be something like a pill. So people who believe, believe that there is a pill that makes you hypnotized, if they believe that, they can be hypnotized. They, that, they, that, they can swallow the pill and have it uh, induce a, a hypnotic situation. Yeah, ibuprofen. <laughs> yes. Ibuprofen will hypnotize you, everyone. Just yes. remember that. Um, It'll make you feel less pain. <laughs> and so um, then once, once the situation is set up and the situation is, is marked and different, part of the induction, uh, many times you, the, the, you see people swinging a watch right in front mm -hmm. of the face of the person. And what, uh, um, how that works is that, so you, you ask the person to look at the watch. You swing it in front of their eyes, and what you do is is uh, you uh, and you ask them to listen to your voice, right? So it's it's all about the voice. You're looking with the with the eyes, and you make um, they them look up a little bit, right? So they're not just look they're not looking down; they're looking up. Now, looking up is strenuous on your eyes. It's it's not uh, you know you, you're maintaining this looking up for uh, a, maybe a minute or two. And that makes your eyes tired no matter what, just looking up. Normally, you would raise your, your head. And so, as, uh, you know, as I'm telling you, um, as, as the in induction happens, um, your eyes will get tired. So when I command you that your eyes are going to get tired now, and you feel it, or the subject feels it, they will uh, sometimes be surprised. Oh my God, this really is working. This I'm, re I'm, I'm, I'm replying to their command. Now that surprise, whenever you see that surprise on a person's face, um, you can know that uh, this is going to be a, a, a stronger trance because they, um, the surprise sort of proves to them hypnosis really does work. It really is real. And once because they see that hypnosis is real, then it becomes real. So the way uh, uh, it is done, many times you start with saying a lot of things that are real. So you would say something, as you're sitting here, and as you're listening to my voice, and as you feel the air on your face, and as you're looking at this watch, and all those things that are correct, you start to feel your eyes getting tired, right? So you, you, you say a set of things that are that are. Uh, uh, true, and, and the people listening, you know, uh, use this only for good. <laughs> not, um, do not use this for any <laughs> bad uh, uh, purposes. Um, as a, a part of a series of things that are true, you add stuff that is, um, that you add commands. Now, um, with the, the, eyes looking up and the eyes getting tired, that is something that you know that's going to happen to them anyway. But because it surprises them, it sort of within the situation proves to them that, oh my God, I really am in a trance now. And that belief that I'm in a trance creates the trance. Um, and uh, 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 then you can continue going on you can ask them to look to, to you know to have their hand float or, or something and and or to raise their hand and if they raise their hand they will be initially they might be shocked oh my god i, I i'm it's my hand is being raised without my will but uh that shock would just just reinforce the 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 power of the hypnotic uh situation so you're saying that that element of surprise that happens within their hypnotic state actually reinforces the hypnotic state 
happy. Yes, because the, the surprise proves to them, if they had doubt whether hypnosis was real or not, whether or not they're going to play this, this the, whether or not it's going to happen, right? Because a lot of people are, are a little skeptic. You know, they sit there and then they got the, the, the watch and they don't know if they're, I mean, if they're going to, you know, act like a like a <laughs> like a chicken if you ask them <laughs> later they, or, or they you know they're, they're skeptical regarding it um, and with with crowds of course in front of a crowd it's much more it's, it's much more smooth but uh, without the crowd uh, proving to them stuff uh, early on can can make it uh, now um, an interesting thing about uh, uh, the, the hypnotic uh, trance you can ask person, under in uh, under hypnosis to not see um, a table that's in the middle of the room right so you ask them uh, you give them a command that they they do not see any table in the middle of the room and then you ask them to walk from one side of the room to, to the other side of the room and what s some might think is that they would hit the table they would walk and hit the table because they don't see the table but they will not they will not hit the table they will walk around the table and um, if you would ask them, why didn't you just walk straight to the other side of the room, they will uh, uh, make up an, uh, a reason. It's a, a confabulation. They, they, um, they will give, so oh, I, was, I, I thought I saw something on the side here. So I wanted to, oh, no, I guess it's nothing. And then I walked to the other side of the room. So you, know, so you, you will get, um, you, you get obedience uh, uh, and you, you get people to act obedient in the way they think will fulfill your the hypnotist's expectations but they will not actually not see the table <laughs> they will see the table <laughs> you know um and they will not act as if the table is not there they would act as if they're not seeing the table they ask them is there a table there they'll say no you know but they might and, walk around the table yeah they'll walk around or clearly walk around the table not not to hit it um but they will answer and and you know they will answer with their truthful face on you know <laughs> that no I don't see no table here you know they will they will and they will really within the game within the hypnotic trance th tell you that no I, I really don't see anything there but um, uh, and, and later um, and, and the way people remember their hypnotic trances is also dependent on what people think hypnosis is so for example in the 19th century we know that uh, um, it was very common for people to forget what happened under hypnosis because the the metaphor, the rules that that governed hypnosis were that of sleep. So it was it was kind of a, a strange sleep state that you were in uh, the trance. Today, the the central metaphor for hypnosis is a water metaphor. So it's there's a depth, right? You can be in deep trance. You're either under or over, right? He's under hypnosis, and he can go deeper and deeper, right? <laughs> um, and that would not make sense to anybody in the 19th century. They would ask, you know, what, what do you mean deep? You know, I mean shallow. What you, well, I mean, what, 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 it's hypnosis, right? Mm -hmm. We're um, But uh, so today we have people remember everything that happened under hypnosis. But back then it was it was thought that that uh, um, forgetting what happened under hypnosis was part of the way hypnosis is, but it was just a side effect of the rules that people thought um, govern the hypnosic game. Super interesting. Yuval, thank you so much for being on the show again this week. And uh, of course, you'll be back again in the future. Thanks and, for having me. And for you, fair listeners, your post-hypnotic suggestion is to go to djrkidsbooks.com and, and enjoy what you see there and maybe even support yours truly by buying a book. Uh, so that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, the way to keep from inadvertently being put under hypnosis is to follow these immortal words from Twisted Sister. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Mister, what do you think you're doing? You call this a room? This is a pigsty. I want you to straighten up this area now!
straight. Tuck in that shirt, adjust that belt buckle, tie those shoes. Twisted sister. What is that? Wipe that smile off your face. Do you understand? What is that? A twisted sister pin on your uniform? What kind of a man are you? You're worthless and weak. You do nothing. You are nothing. You sit in here all day and play that sick, repulsive, electric twanger. I carried an M16 and you, you carry that, that, that guitar. Who are you? Where do you come from? Are you listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock. Oh.